we are going to do something called Rise Up. If, if you've never been in the Army, let me explain something. There's this, like your first day, you, you're sleeping in a metal bunk with a really nice mattress and a green blanket. Is, I don't know what they have now, but that's, you know, a while back. And the, uh, the friendly drill sergeants come through with a bat that they bang on the end of your bunk in the middle and everything rattles at 4.30 in the morning. And they kindly say, rise up. Maybe not so kindly. But it does something to you. You get up, you move, you get going. And, and we're going through a whole lifetime of challenges that cause us uh, sometimes to fall down, to struggle, to overcome, to deal with the, the difficulties of just getting up again, to rise up. And we're looking in this series at how in the cosmology of the living God, He has created a physical universe in which we live, but there's also a spiritual, there's spiritual entities, there's spiritual powers, the heavenly has touched and interacts here. And Jesus shows up in, in some of these encounters where people are in impossible situations and he is calling them to rise up. God is, is reaching out to people in difficulties and in overwhelming circumstances and says, rise up. He gives them the power. He, he gives them the ability he goes beyond what we normally see. And our ten tendencies are to be overwhelmed. If you watch a whole lot of news, and, and, or even talk to your neighbors very much, you may not, but if you do, you're going to hear all kinds of negative things, and the world is going to hell in a handbasket, and this thing is just, what are we doing here? Let's get rid of the government, let's start over. And you're going, oh, wow, how are we going to handle all of that? And Jesus is saying... Rise up. Rise up. We've got a whole lot more to do. We're not done yet. Until the trumpet sounds and the, the eastern clouds separate and the Son of God comes riding in, guess what? We ain't done yet. So we're going to rise up. We take you back to this early part of Jesus' ministry in Mark chapter 2. And he has gone back. He's moved from Nazareth. He has a place in Capernaum. And he's there speaking to some people. The crowds keep coming in. Now the place is filled up with people and out in the streets all the way around the house. And these, these guys, these friends, these four guys, want to take their paralyzed buddy to Jesus to see, you know, if he might get healed. So they tear off the roof and they lower him into Jesus' presence. And Jesus does. He heals him. Do you know what he tells a paralyzed man? Now, I, I want you to think of a time maybe you've been sick for a little while. You broke a leg and you had to, to uh, be in a cast or you just had to sit in bed in, in the hospital at home and you look at your legs and you know how muscular they are when you're done with all that because everything atrophies. So here is... A man who's been paralyzed year after year after year, lying on a bed, and he's lowered into Jesus' presence, and he tells him, rise up. 
rise up, take your bed, walk. How do you do that? It's miraculous if he just gets up. He gets up with the ability to move his muscles. His legs work. No physical therapy, and he's able to lift and carry out his own bed. It's pretty amazing. He's just an impossible situation, and helped by friends, and the support that, that is shown there, and Jesus is saying, wow, these guys are, these are awesome people. And he says to this guy, where this situation should have been, nope, there is no way, rise up. Just rise up. He goes on from there, Mark chapter 5, so we go to, to just into the gospel a little bit further, and we've got this situation where Jairus comes and he's asking Jesus, come, you got to come help me out. My daughter uh, is sick and maybe dying. So we got we to gotta get on the move because we, we're not going to have long. And Jesus is on his way. He tells him he's going to go there. And what happens is there's this very important situation, no time to waste. And he's cra- this crowd is gathered around Jesus and there's a woman who's had this issue of blood illness for 12 years. She's gone everywhere, used all of her money to see doctors, and she's out of options. And she thinks, maybe if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just get close enough to touch that, I could be healed. So she makes her way through the crowd, touches him, touches his garment. Now, in this culture... To have any issue of blood makes you unclean in terms of the rituals, uh, celebrations in, in Jerusalem and, and coming to the temple to make sacrifices. She just couldn't participate, which in many ways leaves her out of society. So here's a woman who is not only ill and hurting and using all of her money, all of her resources to try to get well, her society and, and her religion don't allow her to come in close. So she's isolated. She could be a little depressed. She could be hurting in so many ways. And, and here she comes in with this hope. Maybe this will do it. I'll just touch the hem of his garment. The power goes out. Jesus recognizes it. And he, he asks who, who touched him. And, you know, he gets grief from the guys and they go, there's a crowd, let's move on. And he finds this woman. She comes forward. She falls on her knees, and she, she admits, I'm the one. I touched, and explains what, what happened. I touched your, him your garment, and, and she's healed now. And he's offering her in the crowd. Just think of the, just how important all of this is. She is healed. The blood issue is not an issue. She is accepted by Christ. And he tells her, rise up. Just rise up. In the middle of that community, she has just now been elevated before them all. Rise up. He goes on to the house where the daughter is, the little girl, and the people are saying, oh, don't waste your time. She's dead. There's a great group. So... He goes on through, and he goes, no, she's just sleeping. And they're thinking, well, you brought the wrong guy to this party because he doesn't know what's going on. Back he goes to the bedroom, and he tells the little girl, get up. Just 
rise up. She does. How does that happen? Impossible situations. We've, we've got a uh, life and death. We've got medical issues. We've got a paralyzed man. You don't regenerate the nerves. You don't regenerate the muscles. You don't regenerate or you get your brain to even know how to move your legs. And, and all of that happens in a moment. This woman is restored physically and emotionally in the community. And this little girl is just healed. She's dead. Now she's alive. All those other people are going to be wondering what they were thinking because Jesus came along and he enters in to the physical world that we live in and he brings something from outside, which is what God has said from the very beginning. You're not here alone. You never were here alone. I've been here. I've been with you. I've sent help. I've sent angelic help. I've sent the Holy Spirit to help. I've sent power to you. Trust me. Look to me. Come to me. Just come. Come close. Tear the roof off if you've got to, but come close. Reach through the crowd and get the end of my garment. Come close. Fall on your knees before me and rise up. Rise up in the power that Jesus offers and the way that he offers it. He goes through everything else. He slices through all of the physical. He slices through what we think are the impossibilities and he changes things. He's not operating on, on a in a world that is fixed, that is a closed system, and there's no other energy, there's nothing. Now, if you go through the, all the laws of thermodynamics, you're going to come up with, no, it's a closed system. Well, it is until God gets in it, and it is no more, because he has unlimited resources, and he just slices right through, and he says, rise up. Rise up. So we've got Jesus interacting with paralyzed man raising a, 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 a dead girl in Mark 5, 21 to 42. His disciples learn how that works, and he sends them out to do the same thing. So in the early part of the book of Acts, when we're getting the story of the church, Jesus has departed. He's in heaven. He returned to the Father, sent the Holy Spirit. Now Peter and John are still in Jerusalem with the rest of the church, and they are on their way to the temple to worship. They come across another paralyzed guy just he's lame and he can't walk and so he, he's been there and they the way they make their money to live is they they beg for they sit along the streets and close to the temple uh, gates and the, so that when people come by they can ask them for some money their friends will pick them up and take them back to their wherever they're staying and so here we have this this man who's looking for some help. Man lame from birth is being carried in. Each day he's put beside the temple gate, the one called Beautiful, so he could beg people from going, or the, as the people went into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, Look at us. The reason he said that is because, do we look like we have money? And the lame man Looked at them, eagerly expecting some money. Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. 
But I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand, helped him up, and as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. Now remember, no physical therapy, no, no help of any sort. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. Acts 3, 1 through 8. We've got a, a God who intervenes. He doesn't leave us where we were. He doesn't leave us in the same situation we've always been in. He meets us in, in, the, in heartache. He, he meets us in, in things that just seem absolutely upside down and impossible. And he's calling us. To remember him. He's saying the same thing. Peter look at me. Just look. Trust me. I have all the power. I have all the wisdom. I know what's coming. I know what you've been through. Look at me. Rise up. Rise up. Jesus met, as is in John chapter 8, a woman who had been caught in adultery, brought out by some hostile Pharisees who thought they could trap him in this situation. And as this story unfolds, we've got a woman who's made a really bad decision, probably not the first, because these guys knew who to go get. So she's in a, a situation that's totally humiliating. She's brought out by the leaders of the temple into the public and thrown down before Jesus. And they want to exercise the right to have her stoned, have her killed as a result of her actions. And Jesus, in, in this brilliant story, uh, as he's looking at these people, he just leans down in the dirt and starts writing, and nobody really knows what he's putting down there, but it could have been a list of various sins, he could have been writing down names, drawing pictures. We don't know what he's doing, but it's enough when he says, let the one without sin throw the first stone. And then they started to leave. Because something exposed them in this moment. She's down, humiliated. She knows her sin or multitude of sins. And she is now before Jesus, and they're all gone. And he says, who's here to accuse you? Well, let's see, the Son of God, second person of the Trinity, the Holy One, he could accuse. He didn't. He didn't. He just said, go and sin no more. There's no one here to accuse you. Rise up. Rise up. He healed her. He healed her publicly, emotionally. In terms of her heart before God, she's cleansed. She's just been changed. And this whole community that was ready to kill her have to recognize something just happened because God entered in. Jesus Christ touched a life that looked like it was lost. She had no hope. She thought it was done. And she left that place in a whole, with a whole new life, 
whole new perspective, a whole new beginning. There is in Daniel 10 a heavenly messenger. A heavenly messenger that comes along at a particular time. Daniel is there in, in Babylon, carried away in the uh, Babylonian captivity, and he has served the king and, and has a position of authority, and he's taken some time off to go pray. So he's spending time with his God, and this is an encounter, another one that we've, we've looked at before. But th- this is, as he's doing this, uh, let me just run through it again just because it's, it's, um, it, it just shows us, here's, here's the, the power that is, the cosmic power, the heavenly power that enters into the physical universe and that, and that God's observing this. And we get this written down, which is also pretty amazing. So Daniel 10, in the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia. So you get a time, you get a name. So if someone down through history is going to go, well, I think this is all made up. And, and here's Daniel. says, so all you got to do is look it up. There's a king. Here's the third year. This is when this happened. And uh, we can find it. Now, in his, his day, this would have been everywhere. This is a big deal. He's working for Cyrus. Uh, so Daniel has a vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. And when this vision came to me, Daniel's saying, I'd been mourning for three whole weeks. At that time, I'd eaten no rich food, no meat or wine, crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. So he's serious about trying to get in touch with God, let nothing else get in in his way. He's focused. Then he says, on April 23rd, as I was standing on the bank of the great Tigris River, now we have a location, we have a time or date. I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem, his face flashing like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and feet shone like polished bronze, and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. <sighs> he said the men saw nothing, but they were suddenly, suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. Remember, these are warriors who are accompanying him, in his, but they're a little nervous about something's going on. So I was left there alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me, my face grew deathly pale, and I felt very weak. Then I heard the man speak, and when I heard the voice, the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. Just then, a hand touched me and lifted me up, still trembling to my hands and knees, and the man said, Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up, for I've been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. Your request has been heard in heaven, and I have come to answer your prayer. He goes on to say it took, took a while. There's a battle in uh, the heavenlies between some other angelic being and the dark angelic beings, and the forces are at, in battle, and it's taken a while for this message or this answer to prayer to, to come to him. 
So 21 days from the time the answer was given and the, and the angel was sent with the message, the messenger was sent with the message. So he tells him when he falls apart, he's in a spiritual mode. He's facing an angel that is just overwhelming in his brilliance and the sound and the whole feel of this moment. And he's fallen and passed out and the angel touches him and says, rise up, rise up. He's got more for us. And there are times when we recognize that God is overwhelming, that to be in his presence is greater than anything that we've faced. And to, to come into that moment where we have to face that we are physical, limited, to be, to be recognizing ourselves and in, in our humanity in the face of these unbelievable beings. It's just, it's just overwhelming. But this messenger, that's what the word angel means, this messenger has come to give him uh, the answer to this prayer. Now, we don't always get angelic answers. They don't always show up to pass it on. God has other ways to do that. But he also gives him the strength to stand and to hear and to receive the message. And he's written it down for us so that we would know those things down through the years as well. But he's telling him, this is it. Here's the truth. You don't have to fall apart. You don't have to pass out. You don't have to stay there. Rise up. Rise up. The servants of God. This is another one. Revelation chapter 22. This is John. He's been invited by, by Jesus to come to heaven. So he's going and to see the future. So things are unfolding. He gets to go into the throne room. And Jesus said, write these things down. So he can, he's making a record of things. And we get to see that in the book of Revelation. So this is Revelation chapter 22. And he's, he, this is at the, he's wrapping this thing up as, as he's coming to the close of the book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw all these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. So he's, he's been exposed to the ages as they're unfolding of the world as it goes upside down, of the beast, 666, Antichrist, the fall of Babylon, the wars, the battles, all the things that when you go through the book of Revelation. And, he, and he's just like, wow. And he's got this guide who's helping him along, uh, an angel. So we know what the angel looked like that came to Daniel. And he may have had some similarities to this one. And John just is overwhelmed. So he falls at his feet and worships this angel. So that's, what, that's where we are. The angel said, no, don't worship me. I am a servant of God. I am a servant of God, just like you. Just like you. And your brothers, the prophets, as well as all who obey what is written in this book, worship only God. Only God. The angel turns that worship away from himself. Remember when we've gone through these descriptions of the different angelic or heavenly beings, there are some that went sideways. They said, we're going to do our own thing. They go the, in the direction of, we're going to follow 